Hi, I'm Katie. I did this backwards. Welcome to Corn on the Macabre. Hi, I'm Hunter, and I didn't do anything backwards. Ha! Yeah, <laughs> I just, um, it's just still Corn on the Macabre. Yeah, that's still it. It's still it. Me and Hunter. What's Surprise. Up? Who knew? <laughs> Surprise. We got you. <laughs> Bo Burnham. Was it Bo Burnham who was just like, say A if you smoke weed. And everyone went A. And then he played police sirens and goes, got him. Go arrest them all, officer. We got you. You're going to be arrested for listening to creepy shit. <laughs> what losers. <laughs> yeah, you're arrested for being lame. Like us and being into uh, <laughs> creepy, weird stuff. So we're going to be talking about Angels of Mercy, which I Ooh. also learned is called Angels of Death. Not to be confused with the anime Angels of Death, which <laughs> I watched all of it, yet did I really? It was a confusing but interesting anime. Did I you watch it? I have not seen that one. It was like... Is it new? No, I mean, I guess it's recent years new. Okay. It's definitely, like, my kind of style, where it's, like, each floor is a level you must survive. Oh. You know, like, because okay. uh, me, you know, me and my death games. Think on fa style. <laughs> sort of. It's, it's less murder mystery. There is mystery to it, like, who is this main girl and why is this happening to her kind of a Ooh. thing. But it's, like, she's trying to survive this building that they don't know how big it is but each floor a different killer lives on and they all have like their own reason for being like a serial killer and they all have different methods of killing and it's her trying to like survive the level and then get to the next one that's cool and it's interesting i don't know how i felt about the ending so you should watch it but anyways it's called angels of death and that's not what we're talking about <laughs> This is actually a topic Hunter came up with because it sounded cool. I don't even know how it popped into my brain, but... We were talking about, like, female murderers. Oh, like femme fatales or something. Yeah, but sort of thing. Something more specific. We ended up being very specific with this very topic. Very specific. Because <laughs> uh, it is a very specific thing. It's basically like a... Like an MO. Like, people have specific ways they like to kill people. It is... It is a, a widespread, like, kind of yeah. psychological thing. Some, what is an angel of mercy? What is it? Tell me. Uh, well, so it's a type of mercy killer. <laughs> angel of mercy, angel of death is a type of mercy killer, a caregiver who is a serial killer. A uh, very specifically serial killer. It can't just be, like, a one-time thing, I think. Maybe it can be. I don't know. I always think of Misery by Stephen King. I don't know if that woman was a serial killer. I don't think she was. A caregiver who's a serial killer and who practices mercy killing on both the willing and unwilling, knowing and unknowing, dependent only on the killer's sense of a patient's level of suffering from their illness or lack thereof, because it can be combined with, mun with uh, pro Munchausen, Munchausen by proxy. By proxy. A, a lot of people I know think of... Uh, Gypsy Rose. Gypsy fucking Rose. Gypsy Rose. The first time I ever heard that story, I was like, excuse me as I fact check it, because I don't it believe it. Absolutely. Bonkers. It's buck wild insanity. Just like the the relationship between Gypsy and what's his face, her boyfriend. Yeah. Was so weird. You know, the I'm the, so the bond you make on a Christian dating site. Yeah. <laughs> 
It can be like a very strong bond. Anything to piss off your controlling mother. Um, so if you are an avid listener of true crime, then you know exactly who the fuck we're talking about. If you're not an avid listener of true crime, then get it together. Well, or maybe no, that. <laughs> maybe <laughs> get it together. But also maybe you listen to us because you like our paranormal stuff and occasionally listen to our true crime stuff. I don't know what you do. Maybe we're the only podcast you listen to that does this shit. I doubt it. But we can't that be. would be cool. <laughs> would be cool. But I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> Gypsy Rose is a girl whose mom told her she had cancer as well as a bunch of other diseases her whole life and she did not. This girl grew up believing she was like bound to a wheelchair and like her mom shaved her head regularly so she would look bald and sick. and Gave her all sorts of medicine. That she didn't need. For things that she didn't have, but because she didn't actually need the medicine, it did actually make her her sick. sick. Yeah, so she did look bad, and, like, the woman used this Munchausen by proxy to get a bunch of free shit. Like, they got their house built for them. They got so much free crap because, like, oh, her daughter is dying. TV interviews. Her mom was obsessed with the attention she got from caring for her poor, sick daughter who has... 12,000 diseases and um the daughter when she became a teenager being a prisoner her whole life in her own home not being allowed to talk to anyone have friends do anything because her mom was scared that she would tell some information that would indicate that she's not actually sick like the fact that her mom shaves her head or yeah or or that that she can walk and isn't wheelchair bound yeah or like she was afraid gypsy would figure it out that like hey like I'm not I, sick. I'm not sick, like... Well, Gypsy did figure it out. Oh, yeah. No, she did she yeah, after a because while. Because she could Google the diseases she had. And she could walk. <laughs> and uh, so she met a guy online, like a Christian dating site, and they were, like, blood-bound immediately. <laughs> and they created... They decided that the only way for her to escape her mom was to kill her mom. So they plotted to kill Gypsy's mom, and then uh, her boyfriend wasn't didn't break into the house. Gypsy let him into the house, but they made it look like someone broke in. They killed her mom. They, they like, ran away together. Her a bunch of times, I think. Yeah, it was real gruesome, real bad. And oh, it, and then she posted about it on Facebook. Oh yeah, she made all those social media posts. No, she posted like, as her mom on as Facebook. her mom, but. Not as but she was like the bitch on her mom's Facebook, yeah. But like that's the weird part to me, where it's like I don't know if you can like that's clearly, a lot of resentment. Clearly, you knew exactly what you were doing. Like you were not mentally incapacitated when you stabbed this woman to death. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. This was not insanity. To be to be fair, I guess you could argue that Gypsy's mom drove her to insanity. But I don't, I don't know. I feel like there have been lots of victims of Munchausen by proxy who didn't, didn't kill who, their mom. I know. I'm not <laughs> saying she should have done it or that it was right or okay or excusable. There is a legal argument to be made, yes. There is a legal argument to is be made. a good argument? No. No. <laughs> so the most heartbreaking part of that story for me, honestly, was... Um, the dad? The dad. The dad. He had no idea it was fake. I know. So the dad thought all of this was real, but he and the mom, Gypsy's mom, got divorced very early on yeah. in Gypsy's life, and Gypsy's mom did everything she could to keep him away so that he couldn't learn the truth. And so the first time he heard of all of this was when Gypsy was arrested with her boyfriend on television, and yeah. he started crying because she could walk. He thought she couldn't 
rock. Oh. And that just breaks my fucking heart. Oh. So meanwhile, this episode is not about my- So anyways, <laughs> I haven't even finished me. telling you the definition <laughs> of Angel of Mercy. In this role, they may kill their patients for money, for a sense of sadistic pleasure, for a belief that they are easing the patient's pain, or simply because they can. And that is the rest of the definition of what an Angel of Mercy or Angel of Death is. So you very specifically are taking care of somebody who is presumably sick. Or you're taking advantage of the fact that, that you sick. have yeah. trust like you, implied as a caregiver. Right, like, like, like they're a, trusting you to care for them and you chose to kill them. And just society in general has this very benevolent view of caretakers and nurses and people like that. Like, oh, they're so sweet. Oh, they're so good. Oh, they're so generous. Mm-hmm. Turns out... Not all the time. Generalizations no. work both ways, my friends. I luckily have not met an angel of mercy or have anyone in my life like that. I personally have never had any issues with any doctors and I haven't really been ever needed like a caretaking or a caregiver to that extent. So uh, when <laughs> I, like five years ago or so, I got my tonsils removed, my, devi- my deviated septum fixed, which apparently I didn't know this. I could have gotten a nose job free of charge because it was technic- it's technically rhinoplasty. It's just the inside of my nose and not the outside structure. But I was like, they were like, do you want anything done? Like, they asked me right before. And I was like, like, literally the day I got there, they were like, oh, did you want anything done to your nose? And I was like, no. I love your nose. I said no. I like that. I have like this little bump here that I considered, but I was like, no, they could fuck it up. I have a little bump too. (laughs) I don't know their, I don't know their, uh, apparently that's like a Greek trait. Hey. Uh, Hey. I did have chicken gyro for lunch, actually. Look so at it's you. A, so it's official now. Look at There's you. There's no doubt. I had my own, uh, not angel of mercy, but just being at the mercy of someone else, though. Different story when my nose was fixed and uh, my my deviated septum I had some sinus stuff happening there was a lot happening it was three surgeries at once I was at the mercy of my mother because she was the (laughs) only person willing to like take me to the hospital and back and I wanted to go home because I knew I could have cared for myself because I wasn't like dying or bedridden it was just painful she wouldn't let me and it was very frustrating like literally not being able to leave because I like couldn't drive because I was on uh, like oxycontin yeah but so I was too high all the time to be able to drive but I literally couldn't leave And then on top of that, she controlled the Oxycontin because she was convinced I was going to get addicted to it, which I've never been addicted to, like, anything in my life except maybe soda. So, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, sugar. So, I was just sort of like, I am, like, the last person. Like, I don't, what? No. So, I would be in extreme pain. And I would just cry, like, begging for her to give me the pain medicine, and she wouldn't do it because it wasn't during the very specific allotted time period that it was supposed to work, but it had worn off, and it wasn't working, and I needed it, and it hurt so much. It was 
a horrible experience and just got to a point where I was just sort of like, how, like, say I get addicted, we go through the bottle and then it's done. Like, where am I going to get more? Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I was really mad. I was very angry. (laughs) Not a fun time. Yeah, I was getting to the point where, like, I was going to find out where she was keeping it so I could take it. The way they do um, tonsil removal now is they burn it off. They don't oh, cut it off, they so cauterize it. Like, right, which honestly is better because uh, you don't have like stitches that get ripped less or anything. Of infection, probably, and there's less chance of infection. But it's a literal third degree burn in the back of your throat. It's insanely <laughs> painful. It's it's insanely painful. It's awful. It's fucking awful. So, uh, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. All right, Hunter. Okay. Who is your angel of mercy? Seem to be angel of mercy. Angel of mercy. Um, is an angel of mercy in a little bit of a roundabout way. I feel like it's too nice of a title for these fucking people. Honestly, in this case, I feel like as a woman, I can see how it would fit. Oh, okay. Um, This is a fairly well, fairly well-known case. It is the angel makers of... Najirev. I, li- I I listened to that. That is the town where this happens. Najirev. Where is Najirev? Hungary. Okay, can Hung- I interrupt Hung- you Hungary. to tell you something really funny but really stupid that happened to me in Germany? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So every time I think of Hungary, I think of Turkey, and then I think of Georgia, <laughs> the countries, because yes. they're just kind of around that. And they have those names where I'm like, are you real? Yes, they're real. But I'm always like, what an interesting title for someone who's an English speaker. Yeah. Germany has, like, a decent Turkish population. And so there's people there from Turkey, Hungary, as well as um, Georgia. The country, Georgia. Not the state, Georgia. So I decided I wanted to go to, like, a different type of restaurant. I didn't really eat, like you know, cuisines from other countries super often, and I was in Germany, so I was like, fuck it. So I went to this one uh, restaurant where their whole shtick was that they were Georgian. Okay, so it was a country Georgia. I go in, I sit down. The literal (laughs) cover of the menu is a picture of the U.S. state Georgia. (laughs) And I'm like, is this like a barbecue place? Is this like actually themed like American South cuisine? Am I like an idiot? Like how did I end up here? But it was a literal picture of Georgia, the state, the U.S. state, not the country. And I also just happened to Google the shape of the country just on the off chance they were the same shape, which no, they're not the same shape. And I was like, holy shit. But I opened it up and it was all like uh, Turkish food. And I'm like, okay, so clearly not, we're not at the hoedown barbecue here. Like, we're not eating corn, cornbread, and we're not doing uh, pulled pork. So I was like, do they know? Like, do they know? (laughs) That very clearly they're not from Georgia, either the state or the country. But also, I don't know where they're from. And I was just curious. And I was like, they've got to be like... From somewhere to think this was like a good idea. I mean, I guess someone in Germany just Maybe didn't they just know. Hired like an outside advertiser to like set up their like Menus? menu and thought they just no got one would an notice. email that was like, Hey, can you put Georgia on our menu? And they just Googled Georgia and they just happened to stumble across the state of Georgia instead yeah. of the country of Georgia. So in very broken German 
I tried to joke about this to the waitress. Oh. And I thought it was hilarious. Like, I wrote down all of the phrases in German just to try to make it easy to, like, communicate because not everyone can fucking know English and how I'm explaining this. And so I was like, yeah, this is the U.S. state, Georgia, like, United States. And she was like, no, like, Georgia, country. And I was like, I'm from Georgia, the state. (laughs) I'm telling you, Betty, this is the wrong picture. They tried to tell me I was wrong. And I'm like... I know where I'm from and what it looks like. <laughs> but anyways, sorry. Ooh. I know that was like a weird tangent and that's actually unrelated to Hungry. I enjoyed it, personally. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Angel Makers of Najirev. We're going to set the scene a little bit to put some things in context. <laughs> so in Hungarian society in the early 1900s, the future husband of a teenage bride was selected by her family, and she was forced to accept the choice, no matter what. Women were seen as basically a means to continue a family line, so just, just making babies, and that cattle. was pretty much it. Yeah, considered, honestly, just little more than property. They're just um, literal cattle. It's like a cow. Yeah, and like having multiple daughters was like, well, I only need one, so the rest are just like extra mouths to feed, you know? Like... So women really didn't have um, a great outlook on life um, in early uh, 1900s, especially because this is when World War One is happening. <sighs> Oof, rough time. Um, and um, Austrian Hungary, they were in the middle of all of it. Like, what? literally the middle of all of it. So it's World War One. A lot of the prisoners of war were being held... Um, in this town, um, because it was a small town, there was lots of space, most of the men were off at war, so there were, you know, beds that weren't being slept in, that sort of thing. Um, so a lot of prisoners of war were being held here, and these poor, lonely women had nothing to do but, you know, keep these prisoners of war company in the middle of the night with no clothes on. Sort of thing. Prisoners of war. Let me cheat on my husbands with literal prisoners of war. Well, um... That's an extreme way to rebel. I respect it. Well, the thing is, a lot of times, um, if their husband wasn't already just, like, an asshole, um, they were often alcoholics, there was often domestic abuse. Things weren't great before World War One and the prisoners of war. And then after the men came home um, and they find their wives sleeping with these other men. They are likely suffering from PTSD, alcoholism, because beer is one of the few things that was consistently given to soldiers in World War One, And just mental issues in general became worse after the war. Living conditions were just pretty fucking horrible. And the women had gotten this taste of freedom while they're Husbands were away at war, and then they come back, and they're forced back into these cages, basically. And a lot of times, there there was no birth control or sex education at this time, so there were a lot of illegitimate children. And the husbands come home, and there's their wife is pregnant with another man's baby, and they say, nope, it's gotta go. Um, because divorce was not an option at all. But abortion was also illegal. So you had to do back alley abortions. And just um, kill the women while you're at it at that point. Honestly, it was, I mean, if they died, like, whatever, you'll just get another wife. Like, that 
was kind of the mindset. Pretty oh fucking awful. I bet a lot of dudes forced their wives to get back alley abortions in hopes that their wives would die in the process. It's possible. Just because they knew they would get a new wife to replace her. It's an, it is entirely possible. And that way they can just be like, oh, she died tragically. Yep. Sad for me. This brings us to... Okay, the internet told me to, to pronounce it Jujana Fazikas. Jujana. Jujana Fazikas. I like that. I have also heard her called Julia Fazikas. I don't know if it's Julia. I don't know if it's Jujana. Maybe she went by both, depending on who you are. Like, there's a, like, in the Murderpedia article... She is referred to as Jujana and Julia. Julia. So I don't know, but I think Jujana sounds cooler. So we're gonna go with that. I like Jujana. And that's what the Wikipedia Let's page says. It's a little zhuzhy, huh? It's a little zhuzhed up. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if we should like glorify this person's name because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm about to hear that they're a terrible person. But I mean, I still like to. I still prefer saying Jujana versus Julia. It depends on your perspective. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. Um. So, Jujana Fazikas was a middle-aged um, midwife, and she moved to Najirev in 1911. Um, she was known as a wise woman, and she became the equivalent of the town doctor. Basically, anyone with any type, any slight medical knowledge, basically was like, all right, you're a doctor, help me. Um. Yeah, I guess <laughs> at a time when... Uh, books aren't accessible to learn this kind of stuff and just there was a a thin line between medicine and like in these areas like witchcraft was still a very real concern so you know a lot of and just medicine in general was very scary um very experimental still things were not understood and things were often very dangerous um but she's a midwife and um, she particularly provides health services for local women. Okay. Um, men were often wary of her as it was rumored that her husband had been missing for years um, without any clues. First of all, she's also just a woman and that in and of itself is suspicious yeah. to men. Being a woman without an escort man sus honestly like what are what is she even doing why is she here a woman who has some self-autonomy like <clears throat> we don't like that that we don't wild. do that here no so um Not on my watch <laughs> <laughs> so um the local women would go to her um because a lot of them were in toxic and violent relationships and Jujana was a confident and a source of comfort for these women. And luckily for her patients, she had a very effective, very permanent solution for their relationship and marital issues. Kill them. Poison. We like it. You know? Brilliant. You know, we don't... Boom, we light don't, bulb. We don't hate this. I mean, <laughs> it's... It's it's a gray area. <laughs> it's a gray area. We hate this, but we also don't hate this. Yes. <laughs> she had perfected the technique of boiling fly paper, so stuff that flies stick to and then they die. The sticky stuff is toxic. It is arsenic. And she would boil these pieces of paper and then skim the poison that would float to the top. She would skim that off. And send some home, 
with her patients. And then in a few days, they wouldn't have a husband anymore. And it was very effective. Yeah. Um, and then they were free to do, to live their lives and sleep with more prisoners of war or whoever they wanted to. What an interesting way to collect arsenic. I've never heard of the flypaper method. Personally, I think it's a very entrepreneurial, resourceful take on things. And it's just sneaky because she wasn't outright buying, like, arsenic and stuff. So her patients go home with this poison. They give it to their husband. They're free. They're living their life. It's great. Um, How are they not getting caught? Well, it turns out that Jujana's cousin, Susie... Juji? Susie? Who knows? Was the Sushi? clerk. Suzy. 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 I like oh, that. I like that. Suzy. Okay. Okay, she's a clerk. She was the clerk that filed death certificates. And she just kept. Uh huh. Um, Susie. 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 I can't talk now. Susie was also rumored to be a witch. We love it. We love it. We love I mean, it. we're here for it, honestly. There were an estimated 45 to 50 murders over the 18 years that Jujana lived in the district. Dang, you'd think you'd move after a while. Well, many women had embraced the freedom that the death of their husband gave them and had moved on to murdering other people, like family members they didn't like. Oh, no. Or friends who felt she they had... She created so many monsters. Yes, and these are her angel makers. Oh, no! Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's a, it, she wasn't necessarily doing the killing. She's faci- the mercy killing. She was helping but, facilitate it. So she was killing in for the mercy of the survivor. So it's a different sort of mercy killing, if you think about it. By the mid-1920s, Najayarev earned the nickname, the Murder District. Amazing. Yep. You know, I'm just going to go down to the market, the Murder District, for some potatoes for dinner. Why are they British? It's the only only accent I can do, don't you know? (laughs) To be fair, I don't think I could do a Hungarian accent so fair. I just, I feel like it would just sound Russian. Like, how do you... Anyways. Anyways. Yeah. This is not a linguistics podcast. Yet. Yet. Um, (laughs) So, um, here's some examples of some of the angel makers. So, Marie Cardos murdered her husband, her lover, and her 23-year-old son. Why? Her kid. Just before her son died, she got him to sing for her. Knowing he was poisoned, she listened to his sweet voice. In the midst of his song, he clutched his stomach and was soon dead. Giving testimony years later, she seemed to think this event rather delightful. Oh my god. Yeah, so some of these women were just like straight up bitches, so like, we don't like them, but... They're awful. This whole thing is ridiculous. (laughs) Oh my god. This one... Maria Varga killed seven members of her family. Considering the death of her husband in particular, a Christmas present to herself. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but also, like, if you're if you're living in a poor village, like, 
I guess you People have seven. People are going to fucking notice. I guess you have seven kids, like, in case, because most of them will probably die. But, like, also, just, like, so much. Seven people? Like, were they, did they all really deserve it? I can't believe that. That's probably hard for not. me to believe. Probably not. All of these Not women, that I'm saying any of these people, like, deserved it, but, like, Jesus, when you put, when you put people in a position of absolute destitute where they have no control and you give them a little bit of control and they're like, this is the solution. Yeah. They're going to take it to the fucking next. Yeah. They're like, that felt good. I'm doing it again. Yeah. And this is where the, the line gets kind of gray where it's, well, it's already been gray, but there's no way that Jujana didn't know what was happening. You yeah. know, so at any point she could have stopped stopped and like yes then someone else could have just boiled the fly paper like i doubt she kept that like i bet i doubt it was a huge secret how she did yeah. it she she probably but she could didn't have, blame herself the way people don't blame themselves when they sleep with married people when they're single yeah well i really think she had this like view of like i'm doing this to help these poor women in these horrible situations you know if their husbands are bad people then so what so I really think her perspective on it was very skewed, but I mean, it kind of has to be once you, like, once 50 people are being murdered. Yeah, that's fucking a lot. Dude. Yeah. It, it does, I, I, I do have to think, because it's always blown my mind how people who are single and then they hook up with someone who's married or in a relationship, they still think that they're an innocent person in the situation and that the only person to blame is the one who was in the relationship or married, and that's just, like, not true. Yeah, no. Because you helped facilitate it. Yeah. Like, and, if like, you, you are just... out of the equation, there would be no that, equation. That wouldn't have happened. I, I used to know someone who did that, and it always made me, like, so upset. And I was just sort of like, how yeah. can you possibly think that you're innocent in all of this? Yeah. Just because you're single, technically. Like, I just, oh, my God, I hated it. Gross, 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 gross. So, there have been various accounts of how Zhujana and the Angel Makers were caught, um, but there are three main theories. Um, one is that one of her patients failed to successfully kill her victims. They reported her, um, and then she pointed the finger at Zhujana. Oh my god. The how do you theory, feel at points? I, maybe they, didn't, like, give them enough? didn't give them enough some, or something like that. Second, um, someone in the village wrote an anonymous letter to the newspaper um, accusing the women of the crimes. Or a doctor in another town found a body on a riverbank with high levels of arsenic, and that led to an investigation, and he somehow tied it back to Najirev. So people aren't sure which how it got caught it's just maybe one of those yeah like there it was a very um one it was a small town and two with the war going on and everything just the political unrest records weren't always super reliable or even kept a lot of it's kind of up in the air um okay they just knew that somehow at some point they got she got investigated and she got caught yes so regardless of how why they were initially investigated they were caught. And when Jujana was questioned by investigators, she denied everything and said they could prove nothing. <laughs> but the authorities were like, no, 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 no. 
Um, you've helped kill 50 people, so no. They decided to let her go, and then they followed her. So as she is going around, immediately warning all of her patients that the police are on to them, um, there's no more arsenic going to be handed out, um, hide it, no one talk about this, let's keep it on the down low. She's going to everyone's house. And the police are following her. So they know every so single one of her patients. So she is pointing out every single person. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. She basically, she literally led them to everyone involved. And that's how they have the number 50 people. Yes. Which it's it could be more, um, but that's like based off of the interviews and stuff. That's kind of the number... They came up with. So after the investigators ended up exhuming dozens of bodies from the cemetery, and that's also part of how they got to that number, um, they were able to test who had arsenic in their system. So eventually, 34 women and one man were indicted. She helped a man kill someone with poison? I mean... I thought this was for the women. Now you know it has nothing to do with that. Maybe I like, he... I like to skim over that fact because it ruins it for me. But okay, here's for honesty's sake. I felt like I needed to put it. Maybe in there. he got the poison from a different patient and not Shujana. That's, that's very possible. Like he figured out. Because it was sounds up. like she was just handing it out willy nilly. It's possible. Like you get a bottle and you get a bottle. <laughs> it's possible one of the women who took it, he found out and he was like, "I won't tell on you, but I'm also gonna use it." Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking could have happened there. I feel like that's very possible. Yeah. Um, especially because it was like, so many people were clearly getting away with it. So it was like, why wouldn't I also get away with it? Like, if yeah. it was fucking easy, like, I guess I might as well kill someone too. 26 of them were tried, and among them was Susie, uh, Zhijana's cousin. Eight were sentenced to death, but only two were executed, and another 12 received prison sentences. From the time that Zhujana had arrived in 1911 to this time, which is 1929, Zhujana had been imprisoned briefly multiple times for illegal abortions, but every time she had been let off because at the time judges were like, yes, this is illegal. However, we also understand the need for this, so don't do it again. Help my wife get an abortion. Thanks. Literally. It was like, this is bad, but like, help me, please. Oh my god. So, Shijana had been arrested like lots of times and consistently gotten away with it. So, they're like, you can hurt the women, but you can't kill the men. Uh Uh-huh. It's okay if the women accidentally die in back alley abortions. We can let you go for that. We can't have men having babies that aren't their own children. But we can't have the men dying. That would be bad Mm -hmm. because the women, they'd just be free. Yeah, no, that that one's actually punishable by death. No. Um, One account um, says that Zhujana um, was one of the two that were executed uh, by hanging. But another um, account describes um, that she um, completed suicide by poison in her own home, surrounded by pots of boiled flypaper, which to me is a much more poetic ending. I like that one. And it feels spooky and witchy, and I like that. I like that one. one. (laughs) One person stated that after the poisonings, 
the men's behavior to their wives improved markedly. Wait, wait, once it came to light that they're all being poisoned? Yeah. They're like, oh, fuck, these bitches are out here yeah. to kill us. Yeah, we better fucking behave. I mean, <laughs> don't abuse me, thanks. So that's where it's like, this This one is, it is a roundabout, angels of mercy, angels of death sort of story. And it's also, depending on your perspective and your morals, could be a very like retribution sort of style killing like these men had it coming or you could just say like no men are people too <laughs> you could also blame society in that you one could blame society so this one is is a less like cut and dry sort of thing definitely still wrong don't kill people don't do that but even if your husband is abusive don't kill him I know that we say it's fine, do it, but the government will be like, no, and they'll arrest you, so you shouldn't do it. And honestly, not from experience, <laughs> but I've heard it's really messy and stressful. Yeah, like, you're, there's literally been women who have murdered their rapist, you're arrested for murder and put in prison for that. Like, if you want to take your anger out on something, build a gingerbread house and then just smash it. You know, there's lots of resources out there that don't involve... Murder. Murder. Um, so maybe check those out first. <laughs> yeah. So that is my case. It's a pretty well-known one, but I just, it's, there's so much. I didn't know it. There's so much to unpack, and it's just, in my head, she has, like, a little drive through window, and, like, the women just walk up, and it's like, two bottles of arsenic, please. Yeah. And it's just, like, a constant, like, flow of women, like, stopping by and just, like, because it, it really was just, like, constant, nonstop, just, like, an assembly line of murder. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so I am not a true crime connoisseur. I have listened, I've listened to true crime podcasts, but I listen to them every once in a while. I can't consume them a lot because I will eventually get sad. So I know that there's a lot of people who don't get sad. I mean, I've, I consume a lot of horror, and it, that doesn't necessarily make me sad. It just sort of depends on, like, the levels of consumption. Sometimes I binge. That being said, I did not know that story. There's a lot of stories that I'm sure a true crime connoisseur would know <laughs> that I, I don't. Um, I have listened to exactly maybe three true crime podcasts in my life. Yeah, that's fair. I literally had to hold in a scream today in the bathroom at work because I saw that there is a new episode of Forensic Files Ooh. and there was someone next to me in the stall next to me peeing and I was like about to like squeal with joy and I was like oh but I really shouldn't now is not the time so I like caught myself and I think I made like a sound like when I stopped myself from squealing yeah. and I feel like the lady next to me must have thought I was like constipated or something but see that's how I, I was just like I had a literal physical reaction to a new episode of Forensic Files <laughs> see that's how I would be with a new season of like the Witcher squid game you know yeah <laughs> yeah okay so I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about two women I'm gonna try to summarize them as much as I can one I'm gonna go through quicker than the other simply because I know for a fact a lot of people know this one I'm gonna talk about Jolly Jane Topon. Jolly Jane. Which I was surprised you didn't know who this woman was because I've literally heard about her on the two out of the three true crime podcasts I have listened to. I heard her on two of them, and those two are both very, very popular. As you're 
telling me, it will probably come back to me. That's It'll the thing with, back. like, listening to so much and watching so much true crime is, like, a lot of them tend to blend together for me until I hear those, like, little details. Oh, yeah. And then it's, like, it's the bells start ringing, everything lines up, the stars align. So. There was one show I listened to. I'm excited to, to relearn about this. There was one show I listened to that I stopped listening to because they kept repeating stories because they forgot they had already told them, but I remembered they had already told them, so I was like, okay, fast forward, something else, all right. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Jane, I have to talk, even though she's on every True Crime podcast ever, I have to talk about her because it's so insane. So here's the thing about these Angels of Death people. They arguably could be some of the highest kill count serial killers in existence, and we just can't prove it. Yeah. And that's insane. Ted Bundy want to brag that they've killed a bajillion people. Well, these people have, there's records of them literally being present for hundreds of people's deaths, and they actually could have caused all of them. And it's much more believable that these, like, these two women in particular I'm going to talk about are actually, like, could be some of the most notorious serial killers in existence. Well, if you think about it, like, a lot of serial killers, like, their M.O., Involves like stalking their victims for weeks, capturing it their takes victims. Time. It takes time. It takes prep work. But if your victims are literally coming, coming to you, to you, and you are surrounded by toxic chemicals and pointy objects, and it is you are often in rooms alone with them. I mean, you can just fucking pop multitask, pop them that off. shit fucking awful. So Jolly Jane Topon, her story is so wild to me, I have to tell it because it's just, it doesn't even seem real. Uh, she's a really weird serial killer due to uh, her being a woman. It's very common for a male serial killer to do it for sexual thrill. Well, she is a woman who did do it for sexual thrill, which is why uh, people think, think that she in particular is a weird case because you don't always hear about like women killing people for a sexual thrill. Spirit. Yeah, you think of men doing that. Yeah. So she, you know, like most of the killers, had an unstable childhood. She uh, was born. We know her as Jane Topin, but she was born Honora Kelly or Honora Kelly around 1857. So this is long, long time ago. Uh, in Boston, the youngest of four girls in a poor Irish immigrant family. Back then, Irish people were treated horribly. Dirt. Like, like, I, like you were dirt in the ground. Dirt. So, dirt. So her mother died of tuberculosis when she was young, leaving her father mm-hmm. to care for her and her sisters. Her father was Peter Kelly, also known as Kelly the Crack. <laughs> Kelly the Crack? Yep, uh, he uh, was just known to be insane and wild and unstable, and uh, he attempted to care for them, but most suspect he just abused them and neglected them, and um, legend has it, so he was a tailor, and people say that he lost his mind and sewn his own eyelids shut. (gasps) No. Like, that's how insane people were, like, this guy was. eyes freaks me the Oh, it was that detail where like, I was like, oh. Literally, like, we are all just, like, walking around with little balls of jello in our face. Like, that's disgusting. It's gross. Anyways, I'm sorry. I eyes are gross. Eyes are, should be illegal. I don't <laughs> We should all be blind. Get out of here. So, um, their father, Kelly the Crack, which, like, sounds like a fucked up leprechaun or something. Like, oh, Kelly the Crack. I'm Kelly the Crack. <laughs> 
Let's be tailor your clothes. I can't do Irish accent. <laughs> oh, that's Irish. Pretty, can't that do was... Irish accents, but that's my best. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, Nora and her sisters ended up in an orphanage. Uh, the Boston Female Asylum. So it was her and her sisters, Delia and Nell- Nellie, and they were placed with respectable families when they mm-hmm. turned 10 years old, and they were sent off uh, as foster kids, which back then were indentured servants. So uh, the foster system was uh, <laughs> real tight. So Honora became an indentured servant to Miss Ansi Toppin of Lowell, Massachusetts. They renamed her Jane Toppin because... Her name sounded way too Irish, and they were like, we can't let people know an Irish girl is in our home, so you're Italian now, because you have dark hair, we can kind of pass that, and you're Jane Toppin, which isn't an Italian name, so like, you have our last name, and you're just Jane. So, uh, she went to high school, nothing weird happened, was just, did that. She graduated, uh, when she was 18, but the only thing that was kind of weird that people noticed was that she just lied a lot, which is signs of potentially being a sociopath, is li- like telling great lies of grandeur. It could also show signs of the fact that you were like traumatized and abused and you're an orphan and you have and no- you never learned to communicate in a and, healthy way. And you want attention and you don't yeah. know how to do it, so you tell wild stories. Like, that's yeah. also a thing. So, I mean, she's still not a good person, but just because someone lies a lot when they're a teenager doesn't mean they're a sociopath. The lies she would tell to people was that, oh, her real father sailed around the world, and, you know, her sister actually married an English nobleman, and, you know, her her brother, you know, was at, you know, the Gettysburg by Abraham Lincoln. Oh. And, like, stuff like that. Oh. But, uh, and people were like, sure, Jan. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, Jane. Okay. (laughs) All right. So nice. She graduated at 18. Uh, the Toppins freed her from her indentured servitude and Ooh. gave her 50 bucks to start her new life. Uh, however, she decided she actually just wanted to stay as a household servant. She That's where she was comfortable. That's what she wanted to do. Uh, but then her foster mother died and her foster sister, Elizabeth, took over the house and Jane still continued as a servant. Uh, Elizabeth married a dude uh, named Oramel Brigham. Oramel? Oramel. 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 Oh, no. Yeah, um, and he moved into the Toppin house, uh, but for unknown reasons, something happened that caused Jane to want to move out of the house that she had been in for 20 years at this point. So she was in her, like, late 20s, I think, at this point. So she's lived a very kind of sheltered Yeah, she's been there. Yeah, she left the house when she was, like, 30. Yeah. If she was there since she was 10. Yeah. So at 33, uh, Jane... Like not well adjusted. Oh. So 33 is when Jane decided she wanted to become a nurse. And so she started training as a nurse at Cambridge Hospital 1887. And that's where she earned her nickname, Jolly Jane, which is oh. eerie and creepy as fuck knowing what this woman does. She was nicknamed that for her friendly, outgoing personality. But the issue was that she, you know, loved gossiping about everyone to everyone and would also actively celebrate the dismissal of students she didn't like. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she'd also go around telling people that the, the uh, that the czar of Russia has offered her a nursing job, but oh. she wanted to, she turned it down because she just, you know, wanted to start small. I don't fucking know. She wanted to help the little people. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and she also, like, would steal stuff from around. She's like a little bit of a klepto. 
And many of this fellow students fucking hated her. They were like, we fucking hate this bitch. Yeah. So the hospital administration also grew concerned over her obsession with autopsies. Also were unaware that during this time, she was experimenting with morphine and atropine on the elderly patients. She has a focus on the elderly, actually. Yeah. So one patient, Amelia Finney, had an operation in 1887. Afterwards, she said Jane Toppin gave her a dose of a bitter medicine, causing her to lose consciousness. She said that she remembers Jane climbing into her bed and kissing her all over her face. But something startled her, and she stopped. Like, something startled Jane, and Jane stopped. You know, later when uh, Jane was arrested, Finney realized it was not a dream. She had dismissed it all as a dream and that it wasn't real because it was too weird to have been real. And she was just in a haze. But 14 years later, she realized it, that was no that was no dream. So oh, what a horrible like. So I think Jane was doing a lot of things because I was a younger woman. So she was killing older people. And then I think she was like molesting younger people passed out. Yeah. I think she had a bit of a neck. I think she had a bit of a phobia of older people. Yeah. But also was a bit of a, almost like a necrophiliac. She had, she wanted to like explore like sexually, but just not with elderly people. Yeah. But also she wanted her victims to be like passed out or maybe dead we don't act we don't actually know if she did anything with dead bodies i'm suspecting necrophilia just because she's fucking insane and this is creepy and weird already as it is yeah but um the thing and this is why i also claim necrophilia is because she got an erotic pleasure out of her victims dying so like as her victims would lay dying she would get like a powerful erotic charge from holding and caressing them as they died (gasps) so she like really loved like holding them when they died and like caring and like cooing and like caring for them and like being fucking creepy That's as shit. Disgusting. Yeah, I know, it's fucking awful. And this is why this woman is fucking oh. insane. So uh she got a job at the uh Massachusetts General Hospital and then lost it like immediately because she just recklessly gave out opiates to people. Oh. Um however the doctors <laughs> still recommended her as a private nurse to wealthy clients. Oh. <laughs> now, just so you get an idea, she was earning a lot of money. Like, she was not doing this for money. Like, she was earning $25 a week when women, on average, during this time period, earned $5 a week. Oh! So, she was really just doing this. She wasn't, it wasn't like she had any vendetta. It wasn't like she was stealing money from people and killing them. It, had, it was really just a sexual thrill because she wanted to. Yeah. Like, there was no other motive. It wasn't like she was killing wealthy patients and, like, stealing their money or anything. It's just fucking creepy. And she later admitted that, you know, she would climb into bed with her patients as she murdered them. (gasps) So she befriended her elderly landlord and his wife, but then killed them. Don't do that. And she later explained that they had gotten feeble and fussy and old and cranky. And her colleagues in nursing school remembered her saying that she just believes that there's no use in keeping old people alive and just thought that old, old people should just die. Mm -hmm. So in 1889, 70-year-old Mary McClear fell ill on a visit to Cambridge. Her doctor sent Jane Toppin to care for her. Jane killed Mary with poison. She's killing all these people with poison, by the way. What kind of... Um... Mixture of morphine and atropine, as well as this other one that I don't know how to pronounce, so I haven't been saying it. (laughs) 
It's like strange something. It's a medicine and it kills you. Oh. It's yeah. not arsenic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a month later, she killed a close friend just so she could take her friend's job. Oh my god. As a dining hall matron at St. John's Theological, uh, Theo- Theological, whatever, Theological School in Cambridge. She got the job, but it didn't last very long. The administration couldn't ignore complaints of her incompetence and missing money, so she was also just, like, stealing just because. Okay. Um, Jane would sometimes go visit her foster sister, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's husband. Oh, uh, or- Oramel. Oramel. Uh, the summer of 1899, my brain immediately goes to the summer of 69. <laughs> the summer of 1899. <laughs> so much murder. Uh, Jane decided that she just wanted to kill her foster sister, Elizabeth. Um, what? After she was, like, nice to her and let her stay? Yeah, but, and it was because Elizabeth complained of depression, and she was like, well, I should, you know, put her out of her misery, and then try to marry her husband. Oh. So, yeah, she was into Oramel. She wanted Oramel. that, she wanted that Oramel D. Oh, it sounds like a cold medicine. <laughs> <I know. laughs> it does. Oramel so. D has side effects. <laughs> Oh, God. So she uh, invited Elizabeth to a picnic on the beach, uh, a picnic of, you know, corned beef, taffy, mineral water, all laced with poison. The poison I can't pronounce. Is it strychnine? Yeah, strychnine. Okay, it was strychnine. What's strychnine? I don't really know about it. I just know the name. So I think she was using strychnine to kill people out of the hospital and morphine uh, and atropine for in, people in the hospital. That would make sense. She was taking her work outside of work. Ooh. Outside of what she was doing Watch overtime. Your stay at work. Don't bring your work home with you. Don't bring your work home with you. That's what they all say. Murder your family. <laughs> don't, so, do don't do that. She took her on the picnic, laced with strychnine, quoted, saying, I held her in my arms and watched with delight as she gasped her life out. Oh. So Jane then insinuated herself into the household of Ormel Brigham, who's now Elizabeth's widower, because she wanted to marry him. And within three days, she killed the housekeeper, who was a 77-year-old woman named Edna. Edna, Edna! She took over for Edna to try to impress Oramel with her housekeeping skills. Oh, look at me sweep. Oramel made it very clear that he did not want her as a housekeeper or as a wife. Hell yeah, And to leave him the fuck alone. Hell yeah. So Jane decided to win his love by poisoning him and then nursing him back to hell. But that didn't work. Shocker. Really? Are you telling me that that's not how love works? So here's a weird gray area for me. She threatened to claim that he had gotten her pregnant, which would insinuate he slept with her at one point, but he didn't believe her. So I don't know what that was about. And enraged Oramel ordered her out of the house. Well, I'm wondering if maybe she, like, drugged him or something, and, like, oh, and he I, was, like, out of it, and she was, like, oh, you blacked out and we had sex or something. Yeah, like, maybe she tried to convince him they had him and they had yeah. it. Like, I don't know. Like, it was just weird. So, by yeah. 1901, because he was very confident she was not pregnant, <laughs> he was, like, yeah. get out of my house. Okay. <laughs> Hell yeah, Oramel. I'm not <laughs> sure about Oramel, but I am here for this man. He was, like, I don't like you. You gotta go. Yeah. You're not even my wife's real sister. <laughs> so by 1901, a Massachusetts state detective started following Jane uh, because of what she did next after Oramel. She didn't kill Oramel. Oramel got away. She started renting a cottage from the Davis family. 
Um, but she hadn't been paying her rent on time. So Alden Davis's wife. But didn't met- she have like a shit ton of money? Why would she not be paying her rent on? I guess she just, just doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't fucking care. She does have a. Sh- she just. She just does not fucking care. The idea of not paying my rent on time. It's stressful. It's so horrifying. Awful. <sighs> so, um, Maddie Davis came to Cambridge to collect, and Jane killed her with a cocktail of morphine and atropine. Um, and then she moved in with the elderly Alden Davis to take care of him. And so, obviously, she killed him, and yep. as well as his two married daughters. So they have families they're married to who are gonna, like, wonder where they are. So she just kills this whole fucking family. And at this point in time is when uh, Minnie, one of the daughters, he, she killed, her father-in-law was like, wow, your whole family just mysteriously dies at the same time. What uh, a dink Okay. So he consulted a toxicologist and got a judge to order Minnie's body exhumed. Investigation revealed she died of morphine and atropine poisoning. So at that point is when Massachusetts State Detectives started following Jane, and she was arrested October 29th, 1901. So Jolly Jane went to trial for murder in the summer of 1902, and she confessed to her lawyer that she killed at least 31 people, but perhaps as many as 100. She claims she started her killing spree because a boyfriend dumped her when she was 16, which I think is her just trying to manipulate them to, like, feeling weird and sad or, like, clean. I don't know. I, I guess. It didn't make sense. That didn't make sense to me. Um, so I feel like maybe she's just trying to come up with stories for yeah. people to think she's crazy just or more feel bad attention. for her. Just seeking more attention. Yeah. She claimed that some dude gave her a promise ring and then moved away and fell in love with someone else. She's also quoted saying, well, if I had been a married woman, I probably would not have killed all those people. I would have had my husband and my children and my home to take up my mind. Like, blaming not being married on murdering people. Again, it's that, it's that thing where it's like, there are lots of unmarried women who don't go around murdering people. Like, what the fuck, dude? So, that's really not a, a good argument to make. The jury deliberated for about 27 minutes. And found her not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, and she spent the rest of her life at uh, Taunton State Hospital, dying in 1938. Some attendants remember her calling them into her room and smiling. Get some morphine, dearie, she said, and we'll go out in the ward. You and I will have a lot of fun seeing them die. Jane Chopin couldn't ex- couldn't resist that excitement and admitted she aspired to have killed more people, helpless people, than any other man or woman who ever lived. So she really wanted that, like, power over someone, like, yeah. absolutely incapable of protecting themselves. She really wanted to kill helpless people. Specifically. Specifically. So, of course, the elderly or sick people in yeah. a hospital would be, that makes so much sense. Yeah. But it's also uh, so sick, though. It's And that's why she also probably targeted the elderly. Yeah. And, like, it's just so fucked up. So she just, yeah, she just aspired to want to, you know, have killed more people, helpless people than any other man or woman who ever lived, and that was her motive. Twisted. It really fucking is. It's disgusting. So then, as I was, you know, going through this woman's story, who I've heard three times now in different areas (laughs) of media, I decided I wanted to find someone else to also talk about, so I found Kristen Gilbert who you could say was like a modern-day Jolly Jane, honestly. 
her story also twisted, but yeah, not uh, sexually driven from okay. what I know and can tell. Okay, I'll take it. But this happened in the 90s. Oh. And oh. Uh, Kristen Gilbert is 57 today and still in prison. Oh my god, that's like my parents' age. Ooh, yeah, weird. Oh, it's weird. weird. Yep, yep, yep. Weird, weird. It would have been when you were a little bab. Wee bab. I mean, me too. Yeah, yeah. My parents are older than that. Oh. My parents are almost 70. How old are my parents? Like, What year were they born? Uh, 60 and 63? Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're about right 60. 60. They're like, like right at 60. Yeah. My parents uh, are 53, 54. They are two to three years away from being 70. Your mom does not look it. Or your dad. Neither of them do, no. And neither Honestly. does my and neither does my uncle, who is actively in his 70s and started graying, like, five, six years ago. Kyle started graying five or six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I still couldn't believe it that my uncle literally, like, wasn't graying. Considering on my other side of the family, the Italian side, one of my uncles started graying at 30. 30? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Kyle, he is starting to gray, like, right behind his ears. Oh, cute. And, and I'm, like, low-key so excited for it. He's like, no, don't talk about it. And I'm like, no, you're gonna look so cute. Oh, Ben hasn't grayed at all, but that's, that's, that's cute okay. for Kyle. Yeah. 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 Okay, so Karen Gilbert <laughs> grew up in a suburb of Massachusetts and was, like, a very, like, manipulative teenager, like, emotionally manipulative mm-hmm. Um, everyone who didn't really know her at school just thought she was just some nerd, some gifted student in math club, whatever. Uh, she was seen as, like, a nice, bright student to everybody, but if you actually knew her at home, she was a habitual liar and would constantly fake suicide attempts to manipulate people and to get attention. Yeah. Oh my god. So, imagine that nightmare of being her fucking parents. So, this would continue literally throughout her college years of these suicide attempts. To get attention or to get what she wants or to manipulate people. The court records actually also said that she would make violent threats against other people as well. Um, Someone reported a fake suicide attempt to the college and the college thought Kristen should seek psychiatric treatment and went to her and was like, hey, you like need to get help for this. However, instead, she just transferred to a different school, followed by another different school where she eventually completed her nursing degree. So she just kept jumping from school to school until she finished the degree to be a nurse. Because she was just avoiding any attempts to help her or to, like, point out that she needed some sort of, like, mental assistance. She's in school to be a nurse, and I think they're trying to be like, hey, you might be psychologically unfit to, like, be a nurse. Oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So, in 1988, she received her fucking nursing degree and married Glenn Gilbert. And that's how she became Kristen Gilbert. The couple would later have two children together. No reason for that. They just have kids. They're not part of the story. Okay. (laughs) Um, Kristen also began her nursing career uh, at the Northampton Veteran Affairs Medical Center. Uh, so, following a switch to the night shift at the uh, Virginia Medical Center, Kristen started a flirtatious relationship with Army vet and night security officer James Peralt. I feel like nothing good can ever happen on a night shift. Oh, yeah. Like, I just immediately am suspicious of That's that. when you get the people who shoved weird objects up their butthole and can't yeah. get it out. Like, it's just a yeah. weird time to be on a night shift at a hospital. Yeah. So, uh, this flirtation would quickly turn into just a straight-up full-blown affair. 
Um, <laughs> There's no place more sexy than a hospital. Have you really seen Grey's Anatomy? Every hospital I have been in is just the most soul-sucking, like, blah, like fluorescent light. Awful. Just horrible. Like, Awful. I mean, literally any amount of, like, arousal would immediately be squashed by just the general sense of, like, despair. And Hospitals make me uncomfortable. Yeah, they're, be- they're not fun. They're not a good time. They're not fun. So, uh, that wasn't the only drama a Bruin here. Kristen's co-workers <laughs> were noticing a string of bad luck for her. For some reason, people kept dying when she was on duty. Oh, don't you hate when that happens? Uh, how weird! That's, uh, your luck is so bad. I can't oh. believe your patients died again. Oh my gosh, you must be cursed. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry for you, Kristen. And, uh, they just jokingly nicknamed her the Angel of Death. Like, literally as a joke. Because this coincidence is wild. So, over a seven-year span, it's estimated that Kristen Gilbert was on duty for half of her wards for 350 deaths. Like, if you count up every time someone died while she was on duty, it was 350 deaths. Who's to say? She She couldn't necessarily be responsible for all of them, but she also could be. It can't be proven. Even if she was responsible for half of them. Yeah. That's still over 150 people. Yeah. That's like a person a day for like the year. Like it's... I'm planning on inviting less people to my wedding. <laughs> like that's, that just sounds exhausting to me. I'm not saying she killed all those people. I'm just saying they all happened to die while she was there. So later it was suspected that Kristen wanting to impress her boyfriend began to manufacture scenarios where she saved the lives of people. Um, so others, however, thought that Kristen disliked the attention that came with saving a life. So she would pur- purposefully put these people in, like, cardiac arrest and stuff like that and do everything she could to bring them back to life because of, like, the attention and gratitude she, she got. That, like, glory, that, like, but hero. I think she kept failing at bringing them back to life. So, uh, shocking no one, her marriage was on the rocks. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, it. But, you know, also some additional details as to why her marriage is on the rocks. She just kept poisoning her husband. Who, who doesn't do that? And honestly? then, later, tried to possibly kill him in a civilian hospital where he was being treated. Glenn survived the incident and Kristen left him and the children shortly after for James Peralt. <laughs> so she can't kill him. She tried to kill him with poison. He went to the hospital where she tried to tamper with that whatever was happening there, which also didn't work. Because she doesn't work at that hospital. Uh-huh. So uh, things just really began to unravel for Kristen in the mid-90s uh, following the suspicion. So a bunch of nurses were like, Okay, this is getting to be a lot. You're a problematic person. I'm starting to think this isn't a coincidence. Yes, because toxic people out of your life. Yes, and murders. So the final straw was uh this man Stanley J. Jadowski, who is Jadowski, Jagodowski, Jagodowski. Ooh, even better. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Jagodowski. Jagodowski, who is a 66 year old man, was admitted for a post operative bowel obstruction. Ooh. He constipated. Like, it's not even a life-threatening situation. He just needs to poop. 
It was the fact that literally just his bowels are backed up. It was a post-operative thing, you know, so the operation, whatever. That would be very painful. He only required oral meds, but an on-duty nurse saw Kristen enter the room with a syringe in her hand. And he later died that night, which nothing about what was wrong with him would have killed him. So it got to a point to where uh, patients were refusing, like patients were aware and refusing to go into Kristen's ward, terrified that they were never going to make it out alive. Rightfully so, though. So it was at this point, Jagodowski was a big part of the evidence piling up because the nurses were waiting for evidence to pile up to file a formal inquiry against her. This is in 1996. They listed two deaths along with the decrease of epinephrine as cause for their concern. So they're noticing a lack of supply that wasn't... Epinephrine, yeah. Yeah, epinephrine. Uh, I don't know what that is. I'm I'm not a doctor. (laughs) It's for, um, like, allergic reactions and stuff. Okay. Like an epipen? Okay, yeah. So after um, they reported her, she quit her job. She just was like, I'm out, How bye. terrible. And then she was hospitalized for a suicide attempt where she allegedly confessed to Peralt, who he didn't know she was killing people. But she confessed to Peralt saying, I did it, I did it. You wanted to know? I killed all those guys by injection. And Peralt went to the authorities, and in an attempt to throw out the investigation, Kristen called in a bomb threat to derail the investigation, which didn't work. But the fact that she personally was, she personally got in a bomb threat. Woo! So, uh, out of the many, many deaths that she attended, she was only charged with four, because they could only prove four. So, um, also just additional information that just shows that she's a shitty fucking person. Um, reportedly, while working at a home health aid, Kristen purposefully scalded a mentally handicapped child that was under her care. Which is fucked up. No. So in 2001, Kristen Gilbert was found guilty on three counts of first-degree murder and blah, 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 murder, murder, murder. The jury recommended life imprisonment without the possibility of parole as the death penalty was not available in Massachusetts at the time. As her crimes take place on federal land, however, because it was like an army hospital. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Gilbert was eligible for the federal death penalty. However, it would have been the most irony, because it would have been by lethal injection. Ooh! But she (laughs) escaped it. She escaped the lethal injection, which just would have been the most ironic end to her life, but that is not what happened. She's still alive. She is currently serving her sentence at the Federal Medical Center in Fort Worth. Texas, because I guess they decided she was insane. I don't think she should be anywhere near a medical center, either working or as a patient. <laughs> I'm I'm just glad that she has to, like, live out her life in, in prison. I'm glad that she has to, like, suffer, because I think... Yeah, yeah, sometimes she, death is too good. Because if you think about it, like, that's potentially 350 families that she made suffer, you know? Like, it's not oh, even, yeah. It's not even just, like, especially with these angels of death, like, yes, the victim died, but those victims went to a hospital to get better so that they could go home to their families that they're not going to be able to do anymore. And it was, like, the fact that there seemed to be no motive outside of, like, maybe making it look like you saved a life and impressing people, but it doesn't look like she managed to save many lives. Yeah. So maybe she also liked the attention around the deaths. I don't know, but she was very, like... It was very obviously like attention seeking 
Whereas, like, Jane very specifically enjoyed killing people and found erotic pleasure out of it. She, like, like, this woman, like, wanted attention surrounding it, I guess. Yeah. Or she something just, like she that. couldn't quite figure out, like, the best way to, like, go about getting, getting attention. Yeah. Start a podcast. <laughs> Start a YouTube channel. Be an Instagram. Do what the rest of us do. Be an influencer. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Buy your first 100k followers. Go from there. <laughs> That's just wild because, like, just a, a, not, I guess, a regular serial killer, so to speak, like, like it a, a non-facilitated them, yeah, serial killer. It would take years and years and years to get anywhere close to three hundred. But it's also it's that same thing with like police, like they walk around with a weapon. So. And, you know, doctors walk around with, you know, syringes. syringes and drugs and scalpels and all kinds of, like, fucking radiation machines and shit. So, like, there's just more opportunity. So, like, the people that society is told to trust unquestioningly are the ones, realistically, with the most opportunity to hurt you. I really feel like the title of this episode should be Naughty Nurses. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're all, like, some sort of, like, medicinal nurse, like, yeah. almost, like, doctor-like position. Yeah. Kind of a thing. I like, love that. Naughty nurses. Naughty nurses. People naughty think it's a very sexual title, and it is absolutely not. Oh, boy. Man. Woo-wee. There was a lot of death in this one. Like, we seriously, had, like, though. potentially, like, 400. Kill count? Yeah. More than that. Okay, so you have, a, like, 50 I had for like you. like, 50. 350 for this woman, maybe. And then, like, another 130 for Jane. Shit, so we're, we're like, like... closer to 500. Like, yeah. Like, man. 480. That ballpark. High kill count on this one. I decided to take a small break from true crime the other day. <gasps> Look at you. Uh, oh, Look at you. And I decided to watch a World War One documentary. Can- and let's just call you Kelly. <laughs> Hunter, please. It's like, might as well be the same thing. Look, I like scary things because they make me think and they make me grateful for the good things. I like scary things too, but... but and also I'm just a history I, I nerd, so like, yeah. I just think it's, I just think it's like wild to me. Oh, World War One was just the biggest fucking clusterfuck ever basically austria was like hey 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 we're 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 a big guy too we're a big scary european country too and everyone else was like no shut up and then austria was like no fuck you i'm gonna kill you and then everyone else was like well no i'm gonna kill you first it was like who has the biggest dick contest out of curiosity since you're talking about world war one um i know that your story took place during world war one um did it go into the 1920s or just the mm-hmm. 1910s? Okay, so I did look it up earlier when you're talking about it because Hungary confirmed was fascist and communist. It was fascist first before it became communist, mm-hmm. and it started its fascism reign started in 1920. Uh, well, so at that point it was Austria-Hungary, wasn't it? I it was, think it was so. one country at the time. Yeah, I think that was when Germany invaded. Was 1920 or no? Germany didn't invade until later. Germany invaded. Invaded who? They invaded a fucking lot of people. Hungary and Austria. I mean, it's it's in the sound of music. 
That and uh, well, I think that was World War uh two. two. That was World War that was Two. World War Two. But the sound of music did take place in Austria. Well, so. World War One was like nineteen what like a, when did Germany eleven nineteen twelve. 1944 is when Germany occupied Hungary, but they were already a fascist country, so they're just like, hey, friend. Uh, so it looks like, uh, yeah, Hungary was fascist, 1920 to 1946, and then they were communist, 1948 to, like, 1980. So, like, they had two sides of the most awful coin. On World War One, honestly, they used some of the first, like, gas masks, and, like, literally, they just, like, took, like, a washcloth and, like, a a piece of string on their face, and they're like, alright, we'll be safe from chemical warfare now. It was a bunch of fucking 18-year-old boys who were like, yeah, war, <laughs> I'll be home in six months. These little bitches don't know what's coming to them, I'm gonna be a hero, and I'm, then I'm gonna have lots of babies with my hot wife at home. And then, surprise! You're stuck in a trench, you have gout, there's pee and rats everywhere, and bombs. Gout is when you get, like, you're too wet for too long. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And, like, all you eat is beer and wine. Like, that, they literally, there were people whose job was specifically just to, like, risk their lives to run beer to people on the front lines because that was the only thing that kept them going. That or the threat of being shot on site for desertion. Like, what a fun fucking time! These poor goddamn 18-year-olds, like, had no idea. And all of the old, you know, don't, anyways, this is not, this is, don't get me started. So I literally, the other night, it was like three in the morning, and I was like, (laughs) typing out this like, rant for like a Facebook post, because it was three in the morning, and Kyle was asleep, and I didn't want to bother any of my friends with like, a whole novel about World War One at three in the morning, so I was like, Facebook will listen to me, and I, like, typed out a whole novel of my feelings on World War One, and then I was like, I, then I read back through it, thank God, and I was like, this is too much, no one is going to read this, and it's not going to make me feel better, but, oh, I just have a lot of feelings about World War One. I. I understand. I have a lot of feelings about American history in general, but that's... Not what this podcast is about. It's This is not an American history podcast. Although, we could do a wild episode about American history. We could. (laughs) In fact, there could be, there are, I'm sure, whole podcasts about that. Yeah. That's that's not, that's not on the agenda yet. By the way, gout is a type of inflammatory arthritis. Okay. Just so you know. (laughs) I did look that up. It is caused by a buildup of crystallized uric acid in the joints. It can be severely painful. That's what gout is. I have always heard of it, and I never knew what it was. I just knew that it was painful and sucked. And what my what my what I thought gout was is actually worse than what it is. So I'm going oh, with that one. What did you think it was? I thought gout was like your skin rotting from like overexposure to moisture oh. and like the bloat the bloating of being in oh. water and moisture for too long. I oh. thought like I thought your skin cells start to die because they can't breathe. Probably do. I thought that's what gout was. I'm assuming that's a thing. I also could have totally made it up. 
But that's, that's why something I'm not gonna look up because I feel like that's some what I was, disgusting yeah. Google images would come up. Well, I just know you're in a trench. If it rains, it's gonna fill with water, and like you're gonna be st- standing and sitting in that water, and you're gonna be wearing clothes, and those clothes are gonna suck up the moisture, and your body is not meant to be in water for that long, so it will start and bloating the same like a dead body does for months. Yeah, and maybe a shower once a month, and by shower like a dirty sponge bath so yeah like pretty awful really bad how did we get to world war one um you watched a documentary because you took a break on true crime (laughs) (laughs) and that is how we got here i need to diversify (laughs) it's okay it's okay i take a break (laughs) from like true crime with like horror movies i I have Harry Potter fan fiction for that. You do have, I have that's how you switch it up. I have Harry Potter fan fiction. Harry Potter I don't fiction. watch it, but I read it, and that keeps me... Keeps you going. I, I play video games, a lot of them horror, but I started a new one that's really interesting called Inscription that Kelly recommended. Ooh. It is a spooky card game. Ooh. It's almost like a spooky card game escape room. And that's all I'm gonna. I love all the things that you're saying, and it's really fun. It's a mystery. You're trying to solve it as you play it. I love it. And like, it's cool. It's cool. I'm convinced. I'm. I haven't looked into the developers. I'm convinced they're either very inspired by or also helped develop Undertale. I don't know if you're familiar with Undertale. Mm-hmm. Undertale is a very famous. Uh, game mostly it has a cult following and it's famous for its self awareness of being a game and like so in the game you like in video games you kill people you move <laughs> on if you didn't like the outcome of killing that person you can scum save and go back and redo it and choose to not kill them you know like oh, in a okay, game yeah yeah that's like most video games are set yeah. this way if you do that the game tells you it knows what you're doing. So, like, you'll kill someone, and it'll be, like... That's very... The game goes, like, why did you do that? Meta. Why did you Why did you kill them? Like, they weren't doing anything. They were just standing in your way, and you just killed them. And, like, like they had a family, and so... Oh, this sounds stressful. So then, I, that's part of why I stopped playing that, and it was just really long, and, like, the levels were long. That sounds traumatizing. So then... I kept getting stuck at some places. So then, when this happens, if you try to go back to an earlier save and redo it, the game goes, hey, I know what you're doing. You just killed this person, and now you feel bad about it, and now you want to choose to save them? Like, you're a terrible fucking person. This sounds like the the actual worst time. Yeah, and so, like, you can play the game in multiple different ways, but you can play it to where you kill everybody, and the game is just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You can also play through the game where you, uh don't kill anybody at all, but the game tries to egg you on to kill people and be like, it's fine, no one cares, no one's watching, like, you can just do it, like, whatever. And it's, like, really fucking wild and self-aware. And Inscription isn't that, but it has that level of, like, awareness that is creepy as fuck. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note... (laughs) Doki Doki Nurture Club has the same level of self-awareness, and that's part of why I love it. I I love games that fuck with you on that level. Yes, on that note. (laughs) Thank you for listening. This has been Naughty Nurses, Angels of Mercy, Angels of Death, whatever you want to call it. 
Wait, that's not that's birds. That's not angels. That's birds. <laughs> I, like, oh. I don't know. It feels wrong calling them angels of anything, but um, like an angel in general, just the word angel. I don't like it. Uh, they're just murderers. They're just shitty people who murder people who are helpless victims, and they suck. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. You can follow us on social media. We got the Facebook. We got the Instagram. We got the Twitters. We got a Patreon, which an episode did drop recently. Oh, my God. And it's on Norse mythology. Also. No, I guess I'll save that for another time. I wanted to say shout out to some patrons, but I don't remember their names. I do remember Amanda T. Off the top of my head, though. Thank you, Amanda. Amanda! You're great, and you actually get to pick a subject for one of our episodes. So please message me with that. I reached out to you. So if you're listening to this, Amanda, I'm waiting. Amanda. (laughs) I'm waiting. Um, Amanda. I like I don't like look, I'm tired. I know. I had to deal with the government today. It's a hard day. It's a hard day. Um, but yes, also send us your spooky stories. I know I haven't been reading them as of late because we keep recording over time, but I will read them. It'll be a good time, I promise. Please send them. I have like one or two that I'm supposed to be reading that I will read next time. Sorry. And um (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> and thanks again and keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Ah. Intro music by Richie Gaser from The Phantom Friends. They're pretty good. Give them a listen.